If you're looking for a new way to support SideMission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome in to the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Kyle and Matt. And today, we're talking about episode four of Twisted Metal on Peacock. And I'm just going to shoot very, very straight with you folks. So we have already recorded this episode once before. And because of an audio issue, we are having to re-record. So... This is a perfect chance for us to try to get this episode even better than the first time I think we can. So let's talk about this episode again, fellas. Uh, we were all, I think, pretty big fans of this episode uh, as far as talking about Twisted Metal. I'm not sure if it's any of our favorite episodes as far as where this show is right now. Um, but I liked, and I know that we talked about this the first time, one of the things we talked a lot about was the fact that this the writers and the show proved they could have an emotional character-driven episode instead of it just being fast cars, action, and a bunch of, you know, cussing and humor and all that. I think that this episode's a real turning point for the show along with episode three, whereas that kind of moved the main storyline forward. This one doesn't do a lot of that. It's more of a filler episode, but as I like to say, not all filler episodes are bad. So, uh, Kyle, I'll start with you since you've watched the show five times through at this point. Um, I've made that number up, by the way. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but <laughs> Close. it's my story, and it's my story, and I'm telling it the way I want. So, uh, Kyle, we mentioned it. A lot of really good character moments in this episode. A lot of good emotional moments in this episode, um, particularly with John Doe and Quiet, who I think that Anthony Mackie and you know Stephanie Beatrice have really, really grown into these roles by this point in the show. Uh, kind of, what were some moments from this episode that stuck out for you? Uh, for me especially, I think that there's, um, you know, so obviously right as the episode begins, we see them driving on the road at night, and uh, they get picked up by the Semis, who we find convoy, out yes. yeah, are this group called the Convoy, and the way that they have kind of made do is they have everything they need on their trucks, and it allows them to constantly stay moving and stay out of, you know, one place for too long because people might find you, raid your settlement, all that stuff. Um, but anyways, they give them this mission to go see uh, the florist. And there was, I think, probably my favorite part of the episode was when they were driving to the florist to go see her and John Doe and Quiet are talking about, you know, uh, kind of how John Doe got started as a milkman. And uh, he said that, you know, when he joined up, it was to survive. It wasn't because it was something he wanted to do. And he goes in to elaborate a little bit more about how a lot of milkmen end up dying really young. They all end up going out in, you know, awful ways. And he wants to be the first one to die old, which is why yes. he's doing all of this. So that way he can get a place in San or New San Francisco. And I thought that that was a very humbling moment. Because this whole time, we've kind of seen John Doe portray himself as a badass, as a fearless, you know, motherfucker who didn't take any shit from anybody. And this was such a humanizing moment for him. Because it showed that, yeah, he is afraid of death. He isn't, you know, just completely fearless. He doesn't want to die young. He wants to live an old life and go out peacefully. 
and that's not something that I think in a lot of shows or games or movies about the apocalypse, that's not something I've really thought about. Are these characters who end up, you know, getting stuck in these jobs like, you know, Milkmen in Twisted Metal, who are probably going to end up going out on the road, dying to some, you know, crazy vulture or psycho clown. Um, but that was good. I, I thought that that really took it away from, like you said, the nonstop cussing, the humor, and it, it gave us such a deep, you know, connection with these characters. I agree. And that's, again, I just go back to it where the writing, I was kind of worried about the writing with the first two episodes. I think I said that in, episode, in our episode three review. I was kind of worried yeah. about the writing. I was kind of worried about the general direction because I was like, well, it's a lot of exposition. It's a lot of build up. I'm not really seeing a clear picture. Well, episode three really helped with that. Now I needed to see more, you know, I needed to see more character development. And this episode, we see a lot of that. So let's talk a little bit more about the convoy, Matt. I've got a uh, a question for you about the convoy, and your I want to hear your overall thoughts on it because I think it's a really really intriguing concept of these people that just they stay in these semis, they're always moving, they're never in one place for that long, and you go into these semis and it's a small civilization almost. So my question for you is, did that kind of remind you of your old living situation when you had twelve people living in a house meant only for four? <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah i felt i felt right at home when i saw the convoy to be honest with you all those people in one little compact place yeah totally felt right at home i i, I do love the idea especially because you know my dad was a uh was a truck driver so seeing was he really i didn't with, know that yeah when i was growing up he was a truck driver for like a good oh. seven eight mm -hmm. years so seeing that kind of concept where they use semi-trailers as you know this kind of community on wheels was really cool was really creative um it's not something that's in a game so this is a completely original idea and I, I can guarantee you none of us ever saw something like this in any form of media before um yeah, for sure and it definitely contributed a lot to the you know this style that this episode was was aiming for is that like you know not everybody in this post-apocalyptic world is evil has you know bad intentions or, or you know ready to you know stab you in the back at a moment's notice you know this is a really uh tight-knit community of people who are family friends and you know there's just there's no uh issues going on here it's really peaceful um and i think what really brings this community together is, is the character granny uh, yeah. Well, so we'll talk about more of her, her here in a moment, but I think that her character uh, introduction in this was was fantastic. You know, you really got to know her story in uh, a single episode because, you know, they normally take several episodes to like really establish a character, their backstory, their, you know, what their motives are. But we got all of that in, in this episode and it had a very satisfying conclusion. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, when I think filler episodes, I think that for a lot of people, the first thing you think of is like anime. So like a show like One Piece, it's got over a thousand episodes for a reason. They're not all moving that main story forward. Not the live action for you, all you weebs out there, the actual original OG. Uh, but obviously, like in a show like this, at some point, you're going to have smaller episodes like this. And I think that, you know, this is a great example of a great filler episode. Not all filler episodes are bad. But it's also very easy to mess them up because you almost kind of sit there finding yourself asking, OK, why should I care about any of this if it's here? I need reason to care. And I think Granny's character is is a guiding force to why you should care about any of the characters, any of the convoy, this faction that, you know, at this point, again, I've not watched any further into the season. So I've kind of just taken this the same same approach that I took to Last of Us. I've only watched one episode before we record. I don't watch ahead typically, and and 
these last episodes have made me want to, but I've avoided that. Uh, but again, like Granny and her character and her arc, it, it is the guiding force to what makes this a good filler episode. First of all, she's hysterical because she's a incredibly horny, <laughs> incredibly sexually active old person. And I never imagined at 27, soon to be 28 years old, that I would find that entertaining. But her character was hysterical. I know Kyle, like, quiet, finds that book that she has and opens it. Oh, it's yeah. It's got that depiction of her having sex while, while the, dude's dri- the dude while he's driving. And it's just one of those, like, you watch this with your parents, it might be uncomfortable. But just watching it by yourself, you're able to laugh at it a little bit. Yeah, I also, <clears throat> there's a lot of characters that, you know, uh, so we haven't played all of the games enough. I mean, I played them as a kid. Matt played them as a kid. And. Well, I mean, I want to play them. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I, honestly, I'd like to see a new one come out. I think it'd be fun. Yes. Um, but one thing that does kind of get lost on us a few times is the character cameos, like Granny Dread. She's from the games, as well as Watts. Um, and I, I honestly, it makes me want to go back and play the game so I can kind of appreciate these little cameos, but. At the same time, it makes me happy for people who are huge fans of Twisted Metal because they got to see, you know, one of the big characters, Granny Dread, and obviously her car. You get to see Watts and her, you know, famous car, the Twister, uh, which is that dragster that we haven't seen in action. Um, but they did they did unveil it while they were on the convoy. Um, but that's mm-hmm. another thing I think that they really do a good job of putting these references in. And some of them are very, very on the nose. Like in the first episode, the copy of Twisted Metal that lands on the windshield. Um, And in this one, when uh, John Doe is looking at Watts' missiles on the wall, she outright says that they're out of your weight class. Referencing, you know, the weight class of his car, like the games. I thought that was pretty funny. Um but yeah, they they end up uh, getting to see the florist, who I think is a very interesting character, because she obviously knows some shit, and she has seen some shit. Um, but when, you know, John Doe and Quiet first meet her, they're at her house, wondering where she's at, just kind of banging on the door, looking for her, because they're trying to rush and get these meds, so that way they can get back. She comes around the corner... And she introduces herself and says, I've got some tea. Would you like to partake in it? So they do. And None of us believed for a second that they yep. should, by the way. I'm sure we were all doing the Leonardo DiCaprio, like, pointing at oh, the screen, yeah. like, nope, we know what's about to happen. We oh, know what yeah. And, man, the moment she started putting on her gloves, and she said, you've had refreshments, and now I have questions. I was like, I knew it. I knew she poisoned that shit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting seeing someone use anything other than a gun or a knife in this world as a weapon. She used plants to paralyze them and get, you know, information out of them. Where, mix them with tea. Yeah, mix, mix it with, like, with I tea. mean, like, damn. most, if not all, of the people we have seen in this show have used some form of weaponry such as a gun, a knife. I mean, the Sweet Tooth has that big, like, machete thing. Um, But she uses plants, which I think is very resourceful. And at the same time, in a post-apocalyptic world, that's something that's a replenishing resource. 
So it's she. I I think she's smart. I think she's got some shit up her sleeve that you know could end up coming back in later seasons. And I, I would like to see her become a mainstay character because I think that she could add a lot. It's unfortunate she did not get a whole lot of time in this episode, but what she did get, I really liked of her character. I agree, and the torture scene is is up there is one of my favorite. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes. Like the poisoning scene, I should say when when you know quiet pukes and then John Doe is like, holy shit, quiet, and then pukes himself, and it's just hysterical. Yeah. Um, the and and you know you mentioned like the use of plants. You know she brings that one out, and it's one of the best lines I think for me in the whole show is she's like you know to some people this plant feels like barbed wire, to others it feels like a thousand volts of electricity. I wonder what it'll feel like for you. And then she presses it against his skin, and it just leaves this gigantic burn mark almost. And it's just like holy shit. First of all, what is this plant, and where can I get some so I can use it for um things that are not related to torture? FBI, that's a joke. I promise. Uh, we also mentioned how you see, like, how, like, some of her victims, like, you can see, like, their body parts mixed in with the plants, almost. Like, that's, that was kind of, kind of weird. Like, that, again, it was just a weird little detail. Uh, But, but again, it builds, it's character building. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, the moment that she finds out that they're there for grandma, they're there, you know, for medicine, she kind of, you know, breaks, she kind of breaks them out. It's funny how she has to, like, help John Doe chew that plant that's supposed to break the paralysis. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the first real character moment that we get here is she, they hand her the list of the things that they need for Grandma, and she looks at one of them, and she goes, huh, they've never requested that before, and she, she tells them, like, you know, this isn't going to make her better. This is more or less to ease the pain. And that's when you kind of get that that realization of, oh, shit, like, Grandma isn't just sick. Like, she is, like, on death's door sick. Um, but, again, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great moment. And I think that, you know, again, if the show can build on those moments, I think it's going to keep improving. The one thing else, and, Matt, we, we talked about this with the convoy, there's another new faction that's introduced in uh, in this episode, and we don't see a lot of them. But I think that their presence is very intriguing, and it certainly has me wondering if we're going to see them again, and I hope we do. Matt, talk about them a little bit more, because it, it's a really interesting faction. Religious factions are always, uh, they're, they're a trope of post, post-apocalyptic uh, source material. That's something that's a well that I think game after game, story after story goes after a lot is religious zealots, and it's when done well, it can be very, very powerful. I thought this new group was very terrifying, even though we don't see a lot of them at all, Matt. Yeah, I think the fact that, you know, just the sound of their bells, you know, ringing off in the distance, it doesn't have to strike fear into people. It says a lot about them without actually even seeing them appear, you know, make an appearance or, you know, even getting an idea of what they're capable of. Um, but the fact that they took a, you know, a group of people call them the holy man. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, I, th- just, I think that's what they're called, yeah. Yeah, just like the name alone, you're you're kind of like, oh, I want to see what these guys are about because, you know, I, I'm not saying religious people are crazy, but I think in a post-apocalyptic you know, setting like this, um, you know, they 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 tend to be the craziest ones there are because I mean, what we had the the Last of Us where the religious people were, you know, cannibals. So, you know, I am very curious to see where they take you know this this new faction that we have you know don't know anything about. But like I said, just previously, how the sound of the bells is just enough to like, you know, get people scared. Um, 
like, I, I, I'm really curious, like, what their story is. I'm really curious to, like, know how they, you know, treat, you know, people out in the world. Just if, if they're, if they're mm-hmm. caught, just, like, what they're capable of doing. Well, and you mentioned the bells, and I think that was a really interesting, because I think everybody, we all kind of know, like, what a church bell sounds like. It's a very distinct uh, sound. Yeah. Um, the first time we hear it, it's when John Doe and Choir are on their way to the florist. And, you know, they hear it, and they're like, okay, we should probably hurry up. Well, then, as they go to leave, they hear it again, and Quiet's like, we can take them. And John Doe's like, no, not a chance. We're going to try to outrun them. And then it cuts to dark, and they're, you know, you see all of these vehicles following them, and they're probably about, you know, a couple hundred feet behind them, or, you know, probably maybe a little bit further than that. That's a hard, to ju- hard distance to judge from that angle. But, uh, you know, John Doe kind of drops the ex- exposition of, you know, they've been following us for the last 50 miles. They're only getting closer. So they're able to pull over into this abandoned, uh, this abandoned movie theater and they're able to hide out. And again, you only hear the vehicles. You hear like the sound of like dudes laughing. Like you don't, you, we don't get a lot of the holy men. We don't get a lot of context around them, but we get just enough to make them a terrifying group. And I think that that was really well done. So then Matt, that leads to another great get character scene. And that's the one with quiet and John Doe in the movie theater. And I'll let you talk a little bit about that. Cause that was an excellent scene by this, with, uh, with both Anthony Mackie and Stephanie Beatrice. Oh yeah. This, this is the kind of scene that when you're going to do a filler episode, this is the kind of, you know, um, story building that I'd like to see because you know these two characters have been at each other's throats almost the whole entire se- like series and like we're only on episode four, so just kind of getting this more human you know side of them. They're just like sitting in the movie theater watching you know a silent movie, and because there's no you know there's no noise, there's no you know acting voice acting, there's no music or anything like that. Uh, you know they're just creating it for themselves, and you know. Uh, John Doe opens up about how this was, you know, something that he loved to go see movies. Um, and then, you know, uh, Quiet was talking about how her, you know, her brother would go see movies and she, you know, they would sneak in and go. And that was like one of their things that they did to bond. And this yep. really, this really shows a lot of what Quiet's character is about because, you know, early on in the show, you know, she loses her brother to, um, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, what's his name? The you're, talking about, you're talking about the sheriff or whatever? Yeah, the, the sheriff. Agent Stone. Agent yes, Stone. Yeah, same thing. The sheriff, Agent Stone, same <laughs> thing, different shape. Uh, so, you know, because, you know, takes his life and everything. So, you know, she still holds on to her brother. So those memories, you know, and she opens up to uh, to John Doe about that. And I think that it's a really good bonding moment. It's a really good character development for, you know, what, what's currently going on uh, in the series. So it's just a little bit laid back. It's not so much, you know, action, but it's, it's really just that character development that, you know, that, that building with, you know, that relationship between them, because we're going to see more of this in the uh, coming up episodes. Um, but I, it, it was one of those things that was just really touching to see, because you don't really see a lot of that in shows like this. So just the fact that we were given that, even though it, it didn't, you know, it was very brief, but it really like, you know, hit, uh, hit a home run when it comes to like you know actually starting to feel like you want these characters to succeed in what they're doing because you can see that humanistic side to them well yeah and i think that a good i don't know i can't remember i think it was someone talking about left behind for last of us when you see like riley take ellie like to this to this mall and they get on the carousel and they play with all the masks that's you know that's in a post-apocalyptic world you forget very quick that you're just you're a human and that you sometimes need to just let loose and relax a little bit and I think that that's very, it's why we don't see a lot of that in post-apocalyptic 
shows and movies is that 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 side is often forgotten that at the end of the day these are humans they are human beings that you know they have senses of humor they have emotions that you know it's not just all gone to shit just because the world around them has so i think that this episode did a good job of portraying that uh Kyle, one last really memorable moment before we call this an episode is uh obviously when they get back to grandma and they give her the medicine and she ends up passing on uh let's talk about her funeral for a second because it looks like a really like touching twisted metal version of a viking funeral uh and then the show reminds you that it's twisted metal and <laughs> it's one of the funniest moments um in this show yet yeah so like when she died um the the next day watts was given a speech talking about how you know before the fall before the apocalypse began she was this great realtor and you know she was a platinum club member of some restaurant and like she was you know just this badass who did all this crazy shit and then when when everything went to hell she became granny dread and I think it was a very touching moment, like you said, because it really shows that Watts cares for her in sort of this, you know, mother-daughter relationship. Uh, I don't know if it's confirmed that they are actually related, that everybody just kind of calls her granny. But it was almost sad seeing them lose this, you know, this mother figure to all of them, because now she's saying, you know, it's time for you all to go on on your own and, you know, remember everything I've taught you. And there was one very special uh, moment that her and Watts had uh, right before she went where she said that the most important thing in this world is time spent with your loved ones. And she told her not to let some silly argument ruin an entire you know relationship. And after that, you end up seeing Watts um, uncover her car and she pulls out this radio the CB radio that's uh, hooked up to it, and she actually radios the florist, and so they get talking again. Um, so that was a that was a touching moment. I, I like I said, I really liked how almost all of this episode did a great job in humanizing everyone it showed, and you know, not just saying, "Hey, they're trying to survive, so this is why they are." It gave another layer to these characters all the way up until the very end where they let down the back of the semi as they're moving, and they just kind of, they put Granny's car in neutral and rolled it out the back with her in it, and everybody's just kind of saying their goodbyes as we watch the semi, you know, get further and further away. And then Watts hits a detonator that blows the entire fucking car up with, you know, (laughs) Granny's body inside of it. Really an epic way to go out, but that was 100% the, you know, come back to Twisted Metal reality. They, they Remember what show you're watching. And, you know, it was funny because I, I totally was just wondering. I was like, are they just going to leave her there? Because, like, what if somebody comes by and just takes her car? And nope, they, they sent it with her, which was pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, and then after that, we uh, we obviously see... Quiet and John Doe entertain the idea of staying with the convoy, but then Quiet's reminded of why she started traveling with John Doe in the first place, and it's because she has, you know, it out for Agent Stone. And so this episode, uh, 
ends on a good note. I think um, there was a there was a small spat that Quiet and John Doe had earlier, but they kind of resolved it. And you know, I, overall, I think that this is a very heartwarming episode. It, it felt, you know, very uh, outside of Twisted Metal almost, which I liked because you know. Like we said in the beginning of this episode, it's not just cussing and humor and raunchiness. It's, it, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, it, it's 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 proof that this show can tell a story. It's proof that this this yeah. show can tell a coherent, good emotional story, and that's good. I mean, that's not something I expected from Twisted Metal, so I'm I'm incredibly pleased with that. Um, and it sets up for some interesting stuff further down the road. Will we see more of the Holy Men? Will we see more of the Convoy? Uh, you know, will any of these loose threads matter? Obviously, you know, you guys already know because you've watched all the show. I haven't. So I'm I'm asking a question really just to the void. Um, but but this, this is a good filler episode. Really, really pleased with it. Excited for episode five for sure. But we're going to review that next week. So that's going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow us on Facebook as well at Side Mission Podcast. For the boys, for Matt, for Kyle, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening. Oh, my God.